If you want to receive today, just lift your hands. Lift them high. Lift them high. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. You're beautiful. You're magnificent. Lord, we want to see more of you. We believe that when we see you, we change. And that when we change, everything changes. Lord, we pray today that you speak to our hearts. Say this with me. Jesus, speak to my heart and change me forever in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give God a hand if you believe that. Come on, give God a shout. You can be seated. Man, I could have, I could have honestly worshipped all day today with that song. And uh, because God is so good. And, man, it's just so anointed. Say, so what is anointed? You, you feel God all over it, right? And uh, we need a worship night soon. Just worship all night. Maybe a Friday night. And uh, just get together and just worship all night long because I, I can do that. You doing good? I'm going to start today in James 1, 2. How many of you love the Word of God? It's not an antiquated book. It's not a book that's out of date. It's a book that's relevant today. It's a book that's able to speak to you today. And the Bible says it's like a sword. And it's actually like a scalpel that it goes into your heart and it digs out things that don't belong. And it begins to replace those things with him that God knows will help you out in life. How many of you love that you serve a God that wants to help you? Not just beat you over the head, but he's a good father and he wants to help you. And he's going to help you today because he is uh, he's faithful. John 1, 2 through 4, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, look at your neighbor if they're a brother and sister, say, you're my brother, you're my sister. I heard someone say sister, I like that, you're my sister. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider, consider. I want to look at that word, consider. If you're taking notes, which if you love Jesus and you don't want to go to hell, take notes. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but you should take notes. It's good for you. Highlight that word consider. Those of you that aren't taking notes are like, oh, okay, easy. I'm moving on. <laughs> Highlight that word consider. Circle it. We're going to look at this word. Consider what? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'm going to say that again. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind come, anybody had to deal with some trouble? Anybody had to deal with some trouble? If trouble of any kind come, consider, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, that word consider is to think of carefully, think about, and make a decision. So it is a choice to have joy. It is a choice to be joyful. It is a choice to come into the joy of the Lord. How many of you know that the joy of the Lord is our strength? Show me a guy or a man that has no joy, and he has no strength. It's hard for him to endure. Joy is a secret to keep going. Joy is a secret to overcome. And so I want to challenge you today to consider if there's any, if there's any um, 
problem, if there's any trial, if there's anything in your life that you need to overcome, I want you to consider joy. You could consider um, just going off and doing your own thing. You could consider, well, I just need to get away. You could consider, well, I just need to fill my mind with different things. I need to check out for a little while. I need to go to the movies. I need to, I need to hang out with some friends. Or I need to, no, no, no. Consider joy. Consider the joy of the Lord. How many of you want the joy of the Lord? Now, I want to I play a video. Because how, how many of you love to laugh? I don't know anybody that doesn't like to laugh. I love to laugh. I love to hear people laugh. You know what I mean? You know somebody that's got that dolphin laugh? You're thinking of somebody right now. They got the, they got the, there are all kinds of different laughs. You ever known a slapper? A slapper? They slap their leg. They might slap you. When they're laughing, they can't help but slap. You know the mime, the ones that don't say anything, they're just, you can tell they're laughing. You know what I mean? I love those guys. They like, they make me happy. What about the Weezer? Do you know the Weezer? My sister, my sister I got I to gotta call her out. She's never smoked a day in her life, but when she laughs, it sounds like she had 10 packs of cigarettes when she laughs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love it. It makes me laugh. I love the Weezer laugh. I love laughing in general. I love, I love the, the sprayer laugh. When somebody laughs, it just a whole bunch of spit goes everywhere. They can't control it. It's just spraying out like I'm doing right now. It's just spraying. And if you are going to say something funny around a sprayer, you need a raincoat. Am I right about it? I love when people laugh because laughter is conta contagious. Am I right about it? Just like a yawn. If I, Some of you yawning right now. You're kind of, it's in your brain. It's contagious. Am I right? Laughter's contagious. Laughter's contagious. So is depression. So is negativity. Negativity. I would much rather consider joy than depression. I'm going to play a video of some guys laughing. Well, let's, let's look at. The Weezer. <laughs> How many of you love laughing? It's contagious. It's contagious. Proverbs 12.25 says this. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. 
a good word makes it glad. How many of you know that joy is medicine for your depression? Joy is your medicine for depression. You know, it's, it's staggering the statistics of how many people in America really are depressed. If they go to the doctor and a doctor was saying, hey, be real with me, you know, I see some habits, are you depressed? Yes, I'm depressed. How many of you know that God doesn't want us to be depressed? Paul, of all people, knew what it was like to rejoice or to have joy in trial. I mean, Paul's uh, way of having joy will put us to shame. And uh, But he has some secrets. So I want to give you three secrets of choosing joy through conflict. See, it's one thing to be joyful when everything is good. It's a whole other thing to be joyful in the middle of conflict. Come on, somebody. It's one thing a worldly person can have joy when everything's good. But can you have joy in the middle of conflict? Because life brings conflict. Am I right about it? There are conflicting circumstances. There are things that we believe in. In the natural, it is conflicting. I mean, things can be conflicting. There is conflict. You'll never be able to really succeed in life if we know we don't know how to handle conflict. And if we're going to handle conflict, we might as well handle it with joy. If we're going to handle conflict, if, if we're going to have to go through some conflict and some struggles and, and some things, we might as well choose joy. Because you have a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a choice. And Paul paints a beautiful picture for us. He paints a picture for us to always come into joy. He paints a picture of really the secrets of joy. And, and we see this in Acts 16. We see it in Acts 16. And Paul is going on his missionary journey to Macedonia. And he, he's going there with him and Silas. And, you know, he's just stepping out in faith. We see these guys and we just think, man, they're just not even human. But they are. They're just like us. He's stepping out in faith. He's going on a missionary trip with Paul, with Silas. And uh, Luke is actually writing about it. He wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He's writing about it. And he's documenting what happened in that time period. And in Acts 16, it says that they went to this this area, and it was an area of Philippi. It was a it was an area that was it was a city of the region, and they begin to try to find where the Christians were praying. They end up going to a place outside the city, and they witness to somebody, and they gave their life to God. They go out there again, and there's this woman. There's this woman that starts to like it seems like prophesy. And she starts to say, pay attention to these men. These men have the words of life, and they'll save you. They kept saying, these men are men of God. These men are going to help you out. And, and there's something in Paul, it started to irk him for some reason, because this woman was actually a fortune teller. And she's, listen, you got to watch who's singing your praises. you got to watch who's singing your praises. Because God sometimes, sometimes God wants to, uh, he wants to be the one to encourage you. If you're always looking for encouragement from someone else, you might just get tripped up. It's good to encourage, but get your encouragement from the Lord. Amen? And so she starts to sing, uh, say this, and, and the Bible says that Paul cast a demon out of her. Now, I feel like that's a good thing. 
You know what I mean? The demon gets cast out of her, but the problem is the city is mad. The city's upset. Why? Because everybody made money off of her fortune telling. So the city is in an uproar. And what do they do to poor Paul and Silas just being missionaries, just loving people? They drag Paul and Cyrus out of the area, and they begin to beat them with rods. That's a bad day. I know that you have gone through some hard stuff, but have you ever experienced, like, a little opposition after you've done something good? If things are going wrong in your life, maybe it's not because you did something bad. Maybe you did something right. If things are going like a little, you're having a little bit of conflict, maybe you're not going against God. Maybe you're going with God. And so a lot of times in our life we think, you know, when we do good, things only get better. No, sometimes when we do good, things can get worse, but God wants us to have joy through the hard times. God wants to teach us how to have joy through the hard times because if we have joy through the hard times, on the other side is the blessing because God tests us. God will say, okay, listen, your work as a Christian is to make the enemy mad, is to shine your light to such a point that the enemy has to flee. Am I right about it? And sometimes we think, well, I'm doing good. How come good things aren't happening? Sometimes, sometimes when we do good, it's like kicking the enemy uh, in the teeth, and he's mad about it. How many of you want to you want to defeat the enemy. You want to begin to defeat the enemy in your household. You want to defeat the enemy in your neighborhood. You want to defeat the enemy in your city and in your nation. It is our job to drive them out. Am I right about it? And so in this circumstance, in this circumstance, you have to know that Paul is thinking, because God called him to go to a city, they went outside the city. Is Paul thinking, well, God, are you with me? I mean, did I do something wrong? What, why? Have you ever been there? God, why is this, why is this happening right now? And, and, and this brings me to my first point. Joy comes from trusting that God has a plan even through conflicting circumstances. How many of you know that God has a plan even through your hard times? God has a plan. We're all from the South, right? So we know this term a tropical depression. We know the term a tropical depressions because we always look out for them because they can turn into hurricanes and they can turn into something that can be catastrophic. But if you look at a tropical depression, what causes a tropical depression? It's these warm, it's these warm winds and low pressure. You ever felt pressured? You ever felt pressure on your life? Life is full of pressure. If if you're if you're conquering, you're gonna feel some pressure. You're going to feel some pressure. What is the thing that cuts out a tropical storm? What is the thing that eliminates a tropical storm? It is a cold current. And even though there's a low-pressure atmosphere, a cold current can knock out a depression. How many of you know that we need a certain current in us when the outside is looking dim? When the outside is looking low, we got to have a current in us. And, And the current might not be something that we always cheer about. The current and the, the, the thing to knock out depression is not a message that we usually say yes, God, to. The getting in the current, I want to talk about in this point, getting in the current of, of, of being in a place where you're content. Now, this is a conflicting conversation because how can you come into faith and be content? 
How can you come into faith and be content at the same time? I'm believing for things. I'm not content. I, I, I want more things, but how do I get, how can I be content and at the same time be content and still believe for things? How many of you know that the Bible says this? It says in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain. So when it seems like you're losing, begin to get content. Why? Because Jesus is enough. His presence is enough. His presence will get you through it. And it is this place of contentment of, God, I'm content with me and you. That's what Paul and Cyrus had to be in that time. God, I have you right now. Sometimes when things are rocky, all you have is Jesus. Sometimes when things, nobody's encouraging you, nobody is like, you know, pushing you along, circumstances seem dim, the only thing you have is his presence. And you have to know that in the difficult time, God's going to turn it around if you trust him. God's going to turn it around. See, who would have known that in this time, we're going to go further in the story, but in this time that God used them to be in a prison to win a whole household. God had a plan, and sometimes God's plan is not our plan, and sometimes we have to face some conflict. But if you want to face conflict, how many of you know that there are times when you have to be content? Contentment is godly gain. Contentment. Contentment. See, if you trust that if I hear the voice of God and I obey, I'm going to come into the promises of God, then you won't worry. You'll be content, even in the place that you are. See, we live in a society that never wants to be content with where we are. We live in a society that we say, you know what, I need to make more money. I need to have more of this. I need to get more friends. I need to go out. And, out. and listen, those things are good, but we get those things spiritually when we're content with Jesus. When we show that we are content, when we, when we stop and say, God, your presence, it's enough. Your presence is enough. I mean, how can Paul and Cyrus, I mean, come on, Paul, you had a word, man. You had a word that you were going to go to all the Gentiles and preach the gospel, and here you are getting beat, and you're going to have to sit in a prison? That doesn't seem fair. But Paul understood there's a secret to my joy, and the secret to my joy is to trust. The secret to my joy is to be, is to be content in my situation with me and God. Maybe I don't understand it, but God is with me. Come on, you and Jesus is a majority. Come on, somebody. Some of you need to know you have people leave you. You've had people abandon you. You've lost things left and right. you got to know this. You and Jesus is a majority. And you got to choose. See, see, in your mind, you're going to be thinking, yeah, but what if I'm outside the will of God? What if, what if the circumstances is because I've done X, Y, and Z? What if, no, 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 that's not what God says, and it's not what his word suggests. His word suggests is that he has your best interest in mind. His word says that if you trust him, he's going to get you on the other side. How many of you believe that? And you might be going through it right now, but I want to challenge you to choose joy. And if you begin to think, okay, okay, you know, I love Muhammad Ali because of the rope-a-dope situation. Not so much because he knows how to hit. He's a great hitter, but he knows how to dodge a punch. How many of you know that he knew how to dodge a punch? And the enemy, he wants you to get knocked out, and you got to know how to move. Don't be upset that the enemy's attacking. Because sometimes when the enemy's attacking, it's because you're going in the right direction. 
And if you just keep going, what does the Bible say in Hebrews? It says that Jesus, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured. What are the words that God has spoken to your life? Those are the things that need to be the foundation. Those are the things that need to cause you to be grounded, not your circumstances. Your circumstances are temporary. Am I right about it? Weeping might last through a night, but joy comes in the morning. You got to know God is going to get me through this. You ever been through something for a whole month, two months, or six months, and it seems like your whole life? It seems like this has been going on my whole life. But God is saying, hey, choose joy. You want to get out of the depression, choose joy. Begin to say, you know what? Because of me and Jesus, I'm a majority. Because of me and Jesus, we're going to get out of this. I don't know what situation is confronting you right now, but I do know this. When you begin to trust on his word, he'll begin to get you out. Am I right about it? You begin to say, no, I trust him. I trust him. I trust that he has me here in this time to choose joy, and he's going to work this situation out for my good. This, this is a word for somebody today. This is a word for somebody today. Do not quit. Do not quit. You say, well, you know, I, everything's going good right now. Hey, take this word to heart. Do not quit. Just because you showed up doesn't mean that you haven't quit. You ever seen somebody so excited about a job when they first get it, halfway through it, they hate it, and they're showing up to work, but they quit on the inside. Some of you, you're showing up to church, but you quit in faith. You're showing up to church, but you quit believing his word. You got to stop and you have to consider, consider this, consider it joy because it's an opportunity for your faith. Consider it joy. Consider it joy. Either you can give in to depression. How many of you want to pull out all those weeds, all those seeds of wrong thoughts? See, the enemy wants to throw seeds. See, just like God throws seeds and is waiting for good ground, the enemy's throwing seeds, waiting for his ground too. And if you are allowing the enemy to filtrate your mind, then your circumstances is going to outweigh you and your relationship with God. You can end up quitting. The people that say that I'll never quit, what happened? They lost their joy. They got some disappointment. How many of you want to be a person that says you can, you can, you can swing a punch? I might even fall every once in a while, but you got to know this. I'm getting back up. I'm running harder this time. I'm getting back up. I'm going to trust that God has my circumstance in his hand. Number two is this. It was in that point where the officials said, you know what, we're going to have a special guard watch over you, and there's no way that you can escape. And they put them in a dungeon. They put them in a dungeon. They put them in a place that was extremely dark. How many of you know that a dungeon is not fun and neither are chains? Some of y'all know what those handcuffs feel like. Come on, I know some of y'all's past. I know they don't feel good either. Come on, those things are tight. There is not freedom in that place. Am I right about it? Those things, those thing, they, they'll hurt. There's pressure in there. A dungeon is a deep, dark place. How many of you know that it's in the dark places where we can't have our spirits crushed? Listen, 
this is a word for somebody today. Don't question yourself in your dark place. Don't question who you are in your dark place. Don't question, even if you're failing, don't question who you are in God when the darkness seems to overcome. That was for somebody today. Don't question who you are. Because when darkness comes, I can tell you, you start to question. You start. You know why? Because as Christians, we get pressed. And when we get pressed, the things that are really in there come to the surface. Am I right about it? The things come to the surface. Don't get depressed about the things that are coming to the surface. They might not. See, God wants to shake things up that's in there so you can get them out. And in the middle of a low place, in the middle of a dark place, know who you are in God. Know who you are in God. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.8. We are pressed on every side, but not troubled. We are pressed, but we are not crushed. How many of you know that it's diamonds are formed in a pressurized situation? Quit asking God to get you out of the fire and begin to ask God grace to get you through the fire. Quit asking God, God, I can't take it. No, you can. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Don't ask God to get you out of the fire. Ask God to give you the grace to get through the fire. And today, I want to ask you, is your spirit crushed? Because your spirit is who you really are. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. But it's your spirit it's your spirit. That's who we really are. Let's look at this. Proverbs 17, 22. A happy heart is good medicine, and a joyful mind, joyful mind causes healing. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. How many of you know that a broken spirit, a broken spirit, those that begin to question who they are. See, in a dark time, don't question who you are. Begin to declare who you are in God. In a dark time, I've seen it over and over and over again that when dark times come, people question who they really are in God. Now, Paul is a place he's supposed to be an apostle, and here he is in a dark, dark place. How many of you know that just like diamonds are formed in the darkness, in the pressurized situation, but when they come out of the darkness, they're able to shine? See, people don't understand why you're shining so much because they haven't seen the darkness that you had to walk through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Am I right about it? See, the difference between you and others is that you walk through it. Though I walk through the valley. See, don't quit. You might say, well, you know, that's far-fetched. That's far-fetched to check out. No, I know many people check out and begin to question who they are in God because their circumstances don't line up and because they're in a dark situation. Listen, there are two major identity killers. The first one is this, comparison. You are running your own race. You have your own destiny. Quit comparing yourself with somebody else. You're uniquely made. Am I right about it? The Bible is very clear. Don't compare. Don't compare. Don't compare. You got to say this, Jesus, I'm following you. And when I follow you, I become who I'm supposed to be. I am not looking to the left and the right. Don't try to run somebody else's race because you're going to fail. 
If you, listen, we live in the day of Instagram of trying to see what everybody else is doing and trying to do what they're doing. How about be unique? How about not be a robot? How about say, you know what, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm going to get in the kingdom of God, and I'm going to stop comparing myself. Well, they make this much, so I need to make this much. They live in this area, so I need to live in this area. They drive this car, I need to drive that car. They go to this vacation, I need to go to that vacation. How about live your life? Yeah, give God a hand. I guarantee you, if we didn't see everybody else, we would be a lot more thankful for what we have. Am I right about it? It doesn't matter how far you climb. That thing in you will always want more. More wealth. More popularity. More in your position. You'll always want more. And the higher you get, the more depressed you'll be. Because unless Jesus is your foundation, you'll never find joy. Jesus is the foundation for your joy. Where are you seeking joy? Is it a relationship? It's not going to cut it. Once I get married, once I get married, I'm going to be joyful. No, be joyful now because they're looking for somebody that's joyful. <laughs> Am I right? You're walking around with a sour face because nobody, you know, you haven't gotten in a relationship yet. Listen, be joyful with you and God. See, comparison is a huge thing. The other thing is this. The other thing is this. Condemnation. Condemnation will destroy your identity. Now, I want to say something because uh, we can get confused on this. We think that condemnation is only on ourselves. How many of you know the Bible says to not let anybody else make you feel condemned? Don't let anybody else condemn you. A lot of times we do a lot of things because we have other people have expectations of us. How many of you know that we shouldn't live under condemnation because of somebody else's conviction? Now, sin, it's black and white. Sin's black and white. But are there are some areas where God might tell you to do something, and just because somebody says, you know what, you, you, I, God's telling me I shouldn't, don't, listen, do what God's telling you to do. We get so religious in Christianity, and we want to make other people's standards our standards. Now, there are standards, but, you know, we, I'm going to go there today. Can we kind of go there? You know, there, listen, listen, church can be a place where you find God. Don't let church be a place where you learn how to judge people. Because church people can be the most ruthless, most critical people and don't let them condemn you that's for somebody today you have to know what God is telling you see Paul said this I'm going to teach you something now you go and study it you go and see for yourself what God is speaking to you about it and I guarantee it's going to line up with the word of God now, listen, we got to stop judging because you'll start to condemn yourself if you start judging. You're wondering why you have an identity crisis. 
It's because sometimes you judge way too much. And when you have one finger pointing at somebody else, you've got so many more fingers pointing at you. And it is a spiritual principle. You are going to be judged in the amount that you judge. Quit being so religious. It's about the heart. It's about loving God. So that, person's, that person's conviction might not be your conviction. You know, I, I had a, I had a, my kids, you know, God put it in my heart, you know, Halloween. I'm not, I'm not for celebrating all Eve, you know, going and watching scary and getting freaked out. I'm not all for that, but God put it on my heart. People are coming to your house. You need to be, you know, reach out to them. God put that on my heart. I can't put that on you. You might have a conviction not to do it. But God put that on my heart to say, you know what, when people come over your house, give them something and tell them God bless you. You know what, you can win five souls that night and there'll be somebody that has a problem because you've participated in a thing that they thought you shouldn't participate in. They'll care more about the day than the souls that were won. Don't be religious. Don't put your condemnation on me. Don't put your conviction on me. Come on, somebody. Well, I know such and such that doesn't. That's good. That's good. Come on. We have to be in a place where, well, that's wrong. Listen, I'm going to be honest. If God tells me and Chris that you and I need to go into a bar, don't listen, youth. If we need to go into a bar and we need to preach to somebody, then don't judge us. What are they doing over there? Maybe God, maybe we're in prayer and God told us to go over there and talk to some people. Ah, that, that is not a play. Listen, now, if we're in the club dropping it like it's hot, getting drunk, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's when you say that is outside the word of God. That is wrong. Sexual immorality is wrong. Drunkenness is wrong. There are things that are blatant, but there are things when God says, how do you feel about this? Can we just talk about it today? Because I'm sick and tired of religious people putting their convictions on other people. Now, if it's your conviction and you know somebody else has a wrong conviction, don't be so blatant and arrogant that you feel like you got to air what you're doing. Because the Bible says it might trip somebody else up. Are y'all okay today? So just because, listen, listen, I'm <laughs> Paul, Paul the apostle, one of the most, the most anointed one of the apostles, wrote two-thirds of of the New Testament. This guy, listen to what this guy did, and he was making a point. They started sacrificing animals to idols. They started sacrificing meat to idols. And they were like, oh, this idol, this meat, it's cursed. Paul said, give me that. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to eat it. No, you, you shouldn't eat that. That's unclean. That's wrong. How many of you know that God is more worried about what's in here then what? Last time I last time I checked, God is the one that created every single day of the week, not some kind of religious holiday. The Bible says, "Don't let anybody, don't let anybody put condemnation on you about certain days and months and visions and things like that." Am I right about it? It's the Bible, but we don't want to talk about it because we're scared that people are going to sin. Let me tell you this: you get a glimpse of Jesus, you don't want to sin. You have a relationship with God. You don't want to do a thing. I remember there was one time that Leah and I, about 10 years ago, we said, you know, we're going to watch a certain movie. 
we put the movie on, and man, it was like a dark movie. It was a dark movie. We turned it off, and we felt like, you ever watch something, you're like, that was not good. Oh, y'all are too holy. You ever watch something, it was like, that was not good for us to watch. You know what? I, we felt this, like, thing. You know what? We, we, in that moment, we grabbed hands and said, well, let's pray right now. We prayed and said, God, we don't want this in our house. We repent. We, we turn away, and guess what? That thing, whew. I'm saying that to say, a lot of times, a lot of times, there are things that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about, and if you ignore that thing right there, you're in trouble. If you ignore that thing that's like, no, that ain't right, I don't like it, then don't do it. Well, such and such is doing it. Yeah, but God's telling you not to do it. Don't do it. People, people shipwreck their faith because they want to say, well, there's no condemnation in God. So I can do everything. And Paul's saying, use your freedom for love. Use the freedom that you have for love, loving other people. Am I right about it? I ruffled some feathers today. Forgive me. But I think it's important that we don't become religious. This is not a religious church. This is not a religious church. This is come as you are. If you're atheist, please come. If you don't believe in Jesus, please come. If you're a prostitute, please come. If you're a drug dealer, please come. There was a moment in our church where God told us to reach out to people in the inner city and bring them here. Did you know who had a problem with it? Most of the people that were Christians. They had a problem with it. They left. You know what we told them? Bye. There's a church, there's a few churches, I'm sure, that doesn't care anything about people. They just want certain things. But listen, we're not going to bend because we want the approval of other people. Don't live for the approval of other people. Live for the approval of one. You will feel condemned and you will feel like you're losing yourself when you're living for somebody else. Don't live for anybody else. The Bible says it's a snare. You'll get trapped. Don't live for anybody else. Because at the end of the day, you got to answer to God. Am I, am I, are you okay today? I, one of my favorite, favorite, um, <laughs> one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's the shortest one. You should, you should memorize it. It's John five forty one. They don't have it up there. This is Jesus speaking, and it says one, two, three, four, five, six, six simple words. It says, "Your approval means nothing to me." Let that sink down deep in your heart. Live for what God has told you to be convicted of. Be loud about it if you want to. But don't live for the approval of other people. See, some people say, you know what? You know what? We're not supposed to be like the culture of the world. Well, okay. Okay. The culture is inside of us. If that's the case, then go change your clothes and wear long dresses and a hoodie. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? The culture's inside of us. Paul said, I become to all men that I might win some. This makes a religious spirit mad. You know what? Religious spirits, they're depressed. The only thing that makes them feel good is following rules. No thank you. The only thing that makes them feel awesome is, you know what? We're going to say what's wrong, and let me point fingers of what's wrong, and, and, and I'm going to make, I'm going to feel good about myself. You see what they you see what she's wearing? Oh, my God. Do you, know, do you know where she came from? 
She shouldn't be wearing that. Who are you to tell her what to wear? I'm not saying come to church in lingerie, but and you need to come to church modest, but come on, quit being so judgmental. Some of you aren't showing up next week. That's okay. Number three, the Bible says that they're sitting there. They're sitting there, and they begin to sing. Man, I was going through a tough time a couple weeks ago, and I had to make a decision. I choose joy. I choose joy. Psalms 98.4, shout to the Lord all in the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. So your singing, the joy is a consequence of your singing. Sing for joy. Sing for joy. Not sing because you have joy. Sing for joy. If you need to break out, I love that they put right here, it says shout too. That's for people like me that can't sing. Shout to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Man, I got in my car, started driving down, I put worship music on. If you heard me and saw me, you would think I was a maniac. But I am. I am not normal anymore, and neither are you, so quit trying to act like it. Go into your closet and begin to say, Jesus, Abba, I need you, God. I worship you. And sing until you feel, feel a breakthrough. Cry out until you have a breakthrough. See, that, that level of voice, unfortunately, is very common to God. You might say, well, I don't, that is, I don't care. Shout to the Lord for your joy. There are times when you can't handle it and you have a choice to make. Either you're going to choose joy or you're going to choose despair. I choose Jesus. I choose joy. I choose to sing. I choose to shout because I know that he is my victor. He's my victory. He's my shelter. He's my strong tower. I don't want to go to other things. This is how people lose it. I don't want to go to other things for my joy. I want to go to him for my joy. And once I get joy, then I have no problem going to other things. When I get his joy. The problem is things aren't the problem. It's when you find all your joy in those things. Find your joy in God, and God will get you out of the situation that you're in. I want to challenge you to close yourself up in a closet and just begin to say, if you're going through a tough time, and even if you're not, if you're feeling joyful, do it. But begin to cry out to God. I love Becca. You know, Becca, she was singing. She pretty much preached my message. I don't even know why I'm talking. She said, you know what? This is how I hear God. I begin to sing to God loud, and God begins to sing back to me. I think that's just awesome. The Bible does say that he's singing over us. That's how she, that's how she hears from God. God will show up if you begin to sing. Your flesh doesn't want to do it. Your flesh doesn't want to cry out. Who, who wants to cry out to an invisible God? God said, if you trust me and begin to cry out, you stretch your faith out there, you're going to begin to see grace in your life. You're going to start to see joy. You know, after I cried out to God, I didn't even notice it. But the, the rest of the day, I was laughing. I forgot about the thing that I thought was so heavy, 
because God began to speak back to me and give me joy. Some of you need joy today. Some of you need that oppression off of you today. That oppression is not of God. You think, well, I need to, I need to punish myself. No, you don't. All the punishment went on Jesus. You're free. You need to get off of that depression. You need to get off of that oppression and come into the presence of God and let you and Jesus be enough. And I'm going to close on this. The Bible says when Paul and Silas in chains begin to worship God, can you picture it in a dungeon? Can't see anything. The Bible says that the other inmates were listening. They begin to worship God. They begin to sing. And the Bible says suddenly, say suddenly. The Bible says suddenly there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake and things begin to shake and the chains fell off and an angel comes in there and brings them out into freedom. How many of you know that your praise will shake some things? You're not going to fully praise until you remember who you are, until you know that God's got your circumstances. You're not going to choose to praise until you know you got it. Come on, if you say, I need to be in that place, I want you to just stand up right where you are. Right where you are. The Bible says in that moment, in that moment, the chains were broken. They were free. But he looks over into the corner. Paul looks over to the corner, and he sees the jailer. He's about to kill himself. Now, somebody thought that was funny. (laughs) The jailer's about to kill himself. Now, this jailer probably did beat them probably did spit on them, probably did treat them wrong. But what did Paul and Silas use their freedom to do? To just run away and do what they want? No, they were free, but they used their freedom to love other people. My fourth point is to use your freedom in conflict, in times of trouble. Use your breakthrough and use your freedom, not for yourself. Use it for somebody else. Because the reason you got out of that strong, hard place is so that you can be a light. You can be that diamond reaching out to somebody else. They took the time to stop and say, they took the time to stop and say, you know what? Don't kill yourself. God's got a purpose for you. The Bible says that their whole household was saved. That the man's whole household was saved. How many of you want God to bring you into such a breakthrough that you begin to shine your light and that you begin to show other people the breakthrough? Come on, if that's you today, I want you to just lift your hands today. If that's you today, I want you to remember that you can trust a God that is your father. Come on, right now, I want you to say this with me. God, I trust you with all my heart. Come on, right now, right now, some of you need to say it more aggressively because you've been going through things that nobody knows about. You've been going through oppression that nobody knows about, and God wants you to hear, and you need to say it. God, I trust you. I trust you in my situation. I trust you in this division. I trust you in this oppression. I trust you in this drought. I trust you in this poverty. I trust you, God. I trust you. Come on, say it with me. Say, God, I trust you. Come on, God is lifting off oppression on your life right now. Right now, you need to remember who you are. Remember who you are under these situations. I want you to say this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a child of God. Come on. You're a child of God. Come on. God looks at you, and he sees his children. You've got to remember who you are. You've got a great purpose. You've got a great destiny. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't go back. Go forward because God has got greater things on the other side. Come on, say it with me again. By the blood of Jesus, 
I am a child of God. Come on, if you believe it, give God a shout. The next thing is this. The next thing is this. I want you to remember that you got to praise when you're in a drought. I love that story, and we're closing right here, I promise. I love that story when, when the blind man needed a breakthrough. He didn't sit on the side of the road and just stay quiet. People are trying to shut him up. The enemy wants to shut you up. But you know what he did? He said, Jesus! That's what desperation sounds like. Jesus! Shut up. Be quiet. You seem ridiculous. Jesus! That's stupid. That's too radical. If God, God already knows your situation, why are you going to cry out? Because the Bible says if I don't cry out, the rocks are going to cry out. I need to cry out to my heavenly Father. And right now, right now, on the count of three, I want you to give God a shout. And this is a shout of victory. One, two, three. on. Give God a hand clap today. Give God a shout today. He is worthy. He is good. He is worthy of praise. We worship you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Come on, hug your neighbor and say it's going to be a good week. It's going to be a week of joy. I'll see you this week.